You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. So years ago, I was sitting in church, uh, just like you are, maybe you're in Olathe, or the venue, or the auditorium, or online somewhere, and I heard my pastor bring up a question that was incredibly convicting, and then give a challenge that changed my life in the next year. And so here's my question for you. Think back in your world over the last, well, the last year, 2017, who do you know in your sphere of influence that's closer to God this year because God used you? Who do you know? among the people you know, that they're closer to God because God used you this year. Maybe you led them to Jesus this year. Lead anybody to Jesus this year? Help disciple anybody? Help anybody else follow Jesus? So years ago, I heard that question. I felt two inches tall because I thought, no one. And then the pastor asked this question. Don't, Don't beat yourself up. He said this, would you be willing to pray? Just pray that you could lead one person, just one person, one person to Christ next year. And this would be 2018 now. And that you could help them follow Jesus. And so I don't know if I was just naive enough or faithful enough or dumb enough. But I prayed that. I said, God, I want that. God, would you give me one person, just one person, one person I could lead to Christ and help them follow Jesus. And it changed my life. Here's my challenge for you. Would you be willing this year to pray for one person? Just one person, one person. I'm so serious about it, I already set an alarm. One eleven, one one one, one eleven p.m. And the label says, pray for one person to, to be led to Christ that you can actually help follow Jesus. Would you join me and put that alarm on your phone, like right now, wherever you're at, God can use you. He wants to use you. God, this is praying according to his will. He wants to use you to ch- change someone else's life. It's awesome. We're in a series right now, it's called Reconciled, and... Two weeks ago, we talked about reconciling with God, and God used that in an incredible way. We, uh, if, you didn't, if you missed that, please go there and watch online, catch up. We had 60 baptisms. Most of them were spontaneous, unplanned. Here's quick, four quick photos. Here's one picture of the baptism service. It was amazing. Here's another photo of the baptisms. Here's another photo of the baptisms. And here's another photo of the baptisms. It was just incredible. I mean, so it was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It was awesome. Um, 60 people, most of them spontaneous. So, uh, so last week, we continued talking about reconciled. And we talked about reconciling with others. Because quite often, you can't reconcile with others until you deal with this, reconciling with God. And we talked about that last week. I heard several stories of people who are reconciling with others. Here's three quick ones Quotes from last weekend after last weekend. One person wrote about their brother. Last weekend, I felt this overwhelming urge that I needed to stop what I was doing and send a message to my brother. You see, we stopped talking a year ago over a disagreement. I let my brother know my heart, that I felt peace towards him, that I wished him and his family well. And as a Christian, if I ask my children to forgive, then I have to be the example. I haven't heard from my brother yet. He may be processing it, but either way, I have peace. They followed the Lord in initiating reconciliation with others, another person, about their old best friend. Prior to your sermon, I'd been praying about a situation for 20 years 
20 years ago, my best friend cheated me out of a business partnership, and I still haven't recouped the financial loss. Fast forward, they write, we're having lunch this Thursday, which is last Thursday. Please pray that I have the right words. We were both at fault. It doesn't matter anymore. God forgave me, and I have decided to forgive my friend. And so I did. I prayed for them. We exchanged emails. And they wrote afterwards, thank you for your prayers. God did an amazing, it was an amazing meeting with my old ex-best friend and partner. All right. One more person wrote this. This series called Reconciled has been very insightful. I loved especially the three levels of forgiveness from last week. Guys, if you missed last week, you need that. Three levels of forgiveness comes from last week's topic. Go there online. It's there. Sometimes... I still have to forgive my dad, even though he's been dead for several years. So thank you. And so we saw two weeks ago, reconciling with God, 60 baptisms. Last week, reconciling with others, person after person after person doing that. This week is our ministry, your ministry, my ministry, reconciling others to God. How do we help others reconcile to God? Look over the last year. Have you led anyone to Christ? In 2017, has somebody been impacted? They're following Jesus because God used you in their life. And if not, don't beat yourself up. Would you pray for one person, one person, one person, God, let me lead to Christ and help them follow Jesus. That's what we're about, followers of Jesus. So let's pray. God, thank you for the privilege to, to come to you, to worship, to gather with this, uh, this body of believers. I thank you that we are, we are better when we gather together. You inspire us, you challenge us, you remind us. And we're better also when we carve out some time with you privately. We connect with you, you transform us, you give us hope and peace. God, we pray for evangelism. We pray that, I pray that every single person could lead one person, just one person, one person to Christ in this next year and that they could help that person follow Jesus. Help us see what it means to to reconcile others with God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5. If you want to join me there, we're going to start there. Our ushers in all our locations have Bibles, and you can raise your hand, borrow a Bible, take it home. Either way, it's our gift to you. And so we're going to see a phrase here, 2 Corinthians 5, a phrase. It's about being in the ministry. When you hear this phrase, that someone is in the ministry, what do you think? You likely think that they have a full-time job. Okay, I'm in the ministry, get a full-time job. We're about to see that whether you have a full-time job doing this or not, your full-time job is you are in the ministry. The day you're reconciled to God, he gave you the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. Now, all things are of God, who has, past tense, reconciled us to himself Through Jesus Christ. That's how people are reconciled to God through what Christ did in our lives. And the day you receive reconciliation from God, you got put in the ministry. And he has given us, us, the ministry of reconciliation. The day you receive Christ, you are reconciled to God. He gives you in that very moment the ministry of going out to other people, your sphere of influence, and reconciling others to God, you say, what does that look like? Oh, by the way, that's good news. Turn your neighbor nice and loud because you just realized something. You're in the ministry. Nice and loud, just tell them, I am in the ministry. One, two, three. 
I am in the ministry. Absolutely. Welcome to the ministry. You're all ordained, which is awesome. Okay, what does that look like in verse 20? He used an example because I think, well, I go to school. How can I be in the ministry if I go to work or I go to school or my neighborhood or with this community group? Well, he calls you an ambassador. That's the example. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Just think in your mind, what is an official ambassador from a country do? Just think. Wow, an official ambassador from one country to another. We are ambassadors. That's your ministry, to be an ambassador for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you, we beg you on Christ's behalf Be reconciled to God. Get re-reconciled to this calling. You're in the ministry. You're an official ambassador for Christ. So what we're going to do today is talk about what it looks like for you to reconcile others to God. How do we even do that? There are two kind of worldviews that are different of ambassadors. Ambassadors view themselves differently. We're going to talk about that straight from Scripture. And then two action items. Two things that every ambassador has as part of their job description, two worldview shifts, two to-do items. You and I, if you have Christ, are an ambassador, an official ambassador from Jesus to this world. What does that mean? So the first worldview shift is this. We think to ourselves, it's different. We are citizens. We're citizens of another country. Every ambassador knows they're a citizen of another country. The country they're in is not their country. They owe allegiance to another country. We're going to be in Philippians 3 in just a moment. And because of that, ambassadors feel out of place, and they should feel out of place. And because of it, since we're ambassadors not from this world, we should feel a bit out of place. I'll go back to a story from a couple of years ago when I felt like a foreigner and out of place. I was with Tas Abusada. We were in the Holy Land in Jericho. And we're sitting there, and uh, he gets this phone call. Our, our team from Grace is serving people of the Holy Land. Hey, is that event today? Oh, I forgot it was today. Hey, Tim, would you go to this event with me? Oh, I'm here. Where else am I going to go? Yes, the answer, yes. So we're driving there, and he goes, oh, by the way, uh, uh, the mayor's going to be there. Maybe I'll introduce you. And the uh, governor. Oh, yeah, and the vice president of the Palestinian Authority is going to be there. And I look at my clothes. Yes, I am not dressed to meet the vice president of the Palestinian Authority. Are you crazy? You're fine. So we get there. He goes, I said, what's this for? Well, it's for, serve, it's for celebrating those groups who help those with handicaps. You know, like, like wheelchairs? Yeah, like wheelchairs. I get there. It's not just that. There's all the types of groups who support all types of individuals with special needs. It's a celebration of all the groups who support with special needs, including Grace, as we partner with them. And I'm in this group, like, what am I doing here? I am so out of place. I'm such a foreigner. Then the group starts moving. It says, well, come on. And we're walking. I say, Tessa, are are we in a parade? Yeah, you're marching with me in this parade. And I take a photo ahead of me. This next photo, yes, I am in a parade. People are on the sides waving. What am I doing here? I am so out of place. I'm such a foreigner. I take a picture backwards. I'm in a parade. I don't dress like these people. I don't eat the same food. I don't talk like these people. What am I doing here? That feeling of being out of place, totally out of place, is what an ambassador feels. You know you're a foreigner. And that's what the Bible talks about, Philippians chapter 3. Do you know in your core, you're, you're a citizen of another country. This world is not yours. 
yet. Not till Christ comes. Philippians chapter 3, verse 19 talks about the culture of this world, the people that we're, we're in this foreign land, this world, whose end is destruction. That's the result. That's where they're headed. Whose God, who do they serve in this world? Is their belly. Whatever base urge they have, they serve their urges. Whose glory? What do they celebrate in this world? Things they should be ashamed of is their shame. Who set their mind on earthly things. See, an ambassador of Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. And we feel oddly out of place. Like I felt in that parade in the West Bank. What am I doing here? I'm such a foreigner. Do you cultivate that feeling? You get that by connecting to Christ. He says in the next verse, verse 20, for our citizenship, your true citizenship. Well, I'm a U.S. citizen. I'm a Peruvian citizen. I'm a Brazilian citizen. Well, that's secondary. You're a citizen of heaven. For our citizenship is in heaven. That's our primary citizenship. From whom we also eagerly wait for the Savior, our leader, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, ambassadors know to their core, okay, this, the place I'm at, this country I'm in, for us, this world, this is not my home. I'm a citizen of another country. I owe allegiance to another country. That's, that's my primary goal. Do you have that? That's what we cultivate as ambassadors. Here's a second worldview shift that happens. And so ambassadors realize, secondly, we are sent on temporary assignment. We've been sent on temporary assignment. We're going to be in John 17 in a second. We'll read some verses there, John 17. But. And so we have a temporary assignment. All ambassadors are on assignment. You can't just volunteer. And it's all temporary. For example, let's say I go buy a, a ticket to Ecuador today. I can't just show up in Ecuador and say, guess what? I'm the new ambassador from the U.S. to Ecuador. That means nothing. Because ambassadors have to be sent. It's a sent role. And it's also temporary, by the way. They only let ambassadors, if that's your profession, to be there three years. And then they pull you out. Which, ironically, is what they let Jesus do. God let Jesus. Three years of ministry. And they pulled him out. It's a temporary role. And so, here in John chapter 17, realize you've been sent. This is not a volunteer role. You, you're a sent. He says, John 17, verse 18, Jesus is praying, As you, Father, sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. This is Jesus the night before he dies. He says, I have sent these people just like you sent me. You have been sent as an official ambassador. What if you got a call from the government? You got a call from the government and they said, somebody says to you, listen, we have this ambassadorial role open. We we looked at it. We need you to be the ambassador to blank country. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be such a responsibility? Wouldn't you feel like, wow, I need to get my ducks in a row here. I really want to represent, do this well. My government is calling on me for the interest of this inter-country relationship. I am being sent as an ambassador to that country? That's what happened with Jesus. Jesus, the day you receive Christ as Savior, has sent you. You're an official ambassador sent by Jesus to this world. You're an ambassador in your school. You're walking to school. I'm here to get good grades and figure out my future. That's part of the equation. You're actually an ambassador of Jesus sent to your school. You walk into work. You're an ambassador of Jesus sent to your job. In fact, a couple of verses later, as ambassadors, we offer 
political asylum to people who want to defect from their loser country, this world, to good country, which is heaven. Verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus prayed for the people that someday would believe because his ambassadors that he sent out, they say that, you know, I don't like my country. I get the idea my country hates me and my leaders are trying to control me. Can I be a part of your country? Can I defect to your country? That's the gospel. Yes. Yeah, I'm an ambassador sent from Jesus. and I'm going to help you defect from your country who hates you, controls you, and wants the worst for you. To heaven. To the country I'm a citizen of that loves you, will care for you, will guide for you, that that gave his life for you? Do you cultivate this idea that, yes, I am a citizen of another country, and I am sent here on a temporary assignment, and our lives, they're like that. They're they're all temporary. We're temporary. We're, We're just like Jesus sent. All right, so those are two kind of mental shifts of ambassadors. You have a ministry. You're a ministry of ambassadorship. You're sent from Jesus. So what do we do about this? There are two action items. Every ambassador does, and here's the first one we all need to do as ambassadors for Christ. We live as representatives of our culture. We live as representatives of our culture. So an ambassador and their embassy, they're in a foreign country. That's how people learn. Like uh, in the days before internet and those kinds of things, guess what they did? How did you learn about a country? You watched how the ambassador you know, talked to people. You watched how they related to each other. You looked at what the clothes they wore. You listened to how they talked, what they ate, what they did for recreation. That's how countries used to learn about a foreign culture. They would watch the ambassadors like a hawk. What is this world, this foreign land we're living in, for us who are believers in Christ, learning about heaven from the way you live your life? What are they learning about heaven's culture? By just watching you. They never open a Bible. They don't need to. They watch you. So there's, uh, I'm going to put a picture on the screen. Just think in your mind. Answer in your mind. What is this object? What is this room? Just think in your mind. What is that room? That, my friends, is a sauna. And the sauna is central to the country of Finland. If you're a Finnish person, I mean, it's, it's central. So the Finnish people build their houses around their saunas. The sauna is part of the plan of every house. Finland has more saunas than cars. Let that sink in. And when Finnish soldiers are sent to be peacekeepers in some of the hottest places in the world, uh, heat-wise, the first thing these soldiers build as peacekeepers is their 190-degree sauna. The Finnish are known for their saunas. You go to the U.S. Embassy, Finnish Embassy in Washington, D.C., there's a sauna in the embassy. There's a sauna for the ambassador. You see, the Finnish people build their sauna first. That's their culture. And everything else is built around the sauna. Maybe wonder, we have a country that's heaven. That's not of this world. And I wonder, what are the saunas? What is the sauna that God wants us to build first? What do people know followers of Jesus for? We know the Finnish people because they put the sauna in first. Everything else is secondary built around it. But what is our sauna? What are we known for? I'll show you what it is. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. If you look at Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul's talking about being an apostle, which means missionary. And he has to live differently. He's separated because of that. So Romans 1, 1. Paul 
a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. The word apostle in Greek literally means sent from. You don't volunteer to be a missionary, an apostle. You are sent from. You're sent from God. Separated, you live a different life, a heavenly culture life. Separated to the gospel, the good news of God. Now we're all uh, like, whew, that's what apostles do. We don't have to worry about that. Guess what? Verse 5 says we're all a part of this. Through him, we have received grace. That's all the good things you continually get without deserving them. We receive grace. And apostleship. So you may not be called to be an apostle, a missionary, but you have the job of a missionary apostle. It's called apostleship. What do we do? What is our sauna? Here comes our sauna as believers. For obedience to the faith. Among all nations, all of our embassies around the world. For his name. Our sauna is obedience to the faith. What marks a true follower of Jesus is they obey the faith. They follow Jesus when they don't like it. They follow Jesus when they don't agree with it. They follow Jesus when they don't feel like it. They follow Jesus. How are you doing? Are you establishing the sauna? Like the Finnish people put saunas in first, everything else goes second. Are you putting the sauna of faith, of obe- your obedience to the faith first? Everything else is built around it. What is our sauna? What kind of saunas? Of obe- what does that look like? Well, there's the sauna of reconciliation. Followers of Jesus put the sauna of reconciliation in first. Which means our people, like the Finnish known for saunas, we are known for being the reconcilers. If you follow Jesus. We're known for being the bigger people. We're known for taking the first step of reconciliation. We're known for forgiving when it's hard to do that. For, we're known for for accepting others. It's not, not, I'm not talking about being foolish or trusting or partnership. Go to last week's message. I'm talking about for, truly forgiving people, setting them free, offering reconciliation, at least on our part. Are you putting the sauna of reconciliation in your world first? Everything else is built around it. That's obedience to the faith. How about respect? Believers have the sauna of respect in their world first. Everything else is built around that. I, I hear people talk in our toxic environment of dialogue from different uh, sides of the aisle or different belief systems. I watch people post online social media and it makes me sick. And I'm like, seriously? You're gonna post that trash with that attitude online? Whether you feel you're right or wrong, you're gonna post it with that attitude? Are you crazy? At least deny Christ. At least say, I'm giving up Jesus. I don't believe him. And then let him have it. Because you are bringing disgrace upon Jesus' name with that attitude that you have. Does Jesus talk like that? Did Jesus, did Jesus, is Jesus leading that? Or is that coming from your baser urges? Are you going back to the God of your urges, your belly? Your Seriously, we offer the sauna of respect, which means when we don't agree with you, we don't have to agree with you. In fact, we're, gonna, we're not going to check our mind, check our beliefs at the door, but we'll treat you with basic human dignity and respect and allow you to disagree, but not compromise what we believe, but treat you with the dignity. Every person is created in God's image, every single person. We're called in First Peter to offer respect to every person. We're supposed to respect the king, the leader, the political leaders, whatever they, as they shift from one side to the other. Guys, that is what believers do. Do you have the sauna 
of obedience to the faith. Are people like those Finnish people building saunas in the heat? Are they crazy? Those Christian people offering respect to those haters and those are they crazy? Yes, that's what our culture does. How about the sauna of generosity? The sauna of generosity. That's what we put in there first. Those believers are irrationally generous. What's wrong with those people? That's their money. I'm so glad Jesus did not give his son, like some of us debate about our financial giving. Aren't you glad? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God's heart is generosity. For God so loved the world that he really was considering giving, because that's not a good time for me, and that's a lot of money. For God so loved the world that I started giving a little bit. Maybe I'll send my, my son's good thoughts to you. And not send my son. For God so loved the world that I'm really praying about kind of of starting to... Well, when this thing comes through, that deal comes through, when this frees up, what are you talking about? Believers have the sauna of generosity. You put the sauna in first. You give first. Everything else is built around it. That's why we call you to tithing to 10%. You say, where is that in the Bible? Write down Genesis 14, Genesis 28. Before there ever was a law, they knew that was the starting point for worship. We do that as a church. We give away 10% of everything we receive. We give it away, give it away, give it away now. That's a song. It's a good reference. <laughs> so three things. About, I, I sent out a, a, a video recently, and we finally got it, got it sent. And so click on it, watch it. But here's what my, we, we need you for something. You need us for something. And you may need John Rauscher, our business manager, for something. Here's the prayer request. We set a goal, a target goal to go beyond our actual budget to have project money. Wouldn't it be amazing that you invest your money in making disciples? Some of us have never done that. Or we've never done it to the capacity that God gave you. When God gives you more money, do you think you're supposed to increase your level standard of living or your standard of giving? Could God want you to increase also your standard of giving? And so here's the deal. I need you. Grace Church needs you. We have projects beyond our budget to invest in missions and paying off our Olathe campus land and saving up for church future plants, future campuses. Like, it'd be amazing. We need you to give. I need you to give. But guess what? You need to give. You need us. Write down 2 Corinthians 8, 7. You need us. You need to give for you. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says... You've got to keep growing in generosity, just like you grow in faith, just like you grow in knowledge, just like you grow in what you say. God's called you to grow in generosity too. And some of us have stunted our spiritual growth because God is God of several areas, but not the God of our life. We've not established the sauna of faithfulness to his word, obedience to the faith, generosity first, everything else second. You need to give for you. By the way, I was talking to a guy this weekend. He goes, well, I'm just kind of selfish. I said, well, I don't disagree with you. I know it takes one to know one. I am too. But guess what? You don't fix your selfishness by waiting till selfishness vanishes first. You fix selfishness by giving. You give. God changes you. You give first to fix your selfishness. That's how you do it. And guess what? You may need, uh, by the way, go to visitgracechurch.com slash give. That's where we're going to give updates on our project. And they're going to come fast and furious as we come to December 31st. We need you. You need us so you can grow. Thirdly, you may need John Rauscher, our business manager. So, stock market is way up. And this may, I got to say this line, so you don't call me your tax advisor. Check with your tax advisor. There, I said it. But I'm telling you, when stocks go up, you cash that out. Some of you don't need to give cash. You need to give stock. Because God bless Uncle Sam's heart. If you give the stock, 
Instead of cashing it out, Uncle Sam gets nothing. God bless their heart. I like giving them at least as possible. And so seriously, like, I don't have any cash. I don't have this. Seriously, do you have stocks? Really? So God's blessed you like this. For you say you have nothing to give. Are you crazy? What would you do with your son or somebody who worked for you if they continually mismanaged your money? You would take it away, take it away, take it away now. Another good reference to that song. I'm telling you. You may need to talk to John Rousher who can help you give stock. So do you have the sauna? What we're known for is obedience to the faith among all the ethnic groups of this world. Reconciliation. Respect. Generosity. A final... Uh, a final action item. We live the faith, but we also are spokespeople. It's probably the most important thing. We communicate. Here it is. We communicate our leader's message. We communicate our leader's message. Can you imagine a, uh, an ambassador who decides to not communicate the message of their leaders? Hey, we need you to talk to the people of the land. Pass this message on. I don't like that message. I'm not passing that message on. That message makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't want people here to feel uncomfortable. I'm not going to pass that message. How long would an ambassador last if they just decided not to pass on the message? That's why they're ambassadors. You're an ambassador to live out the culture and pass on the message. You say, well, I, I, I hear the message of my leader, but if it was changed this way, then I'll share it. If I could just change the message. Ambassadors don't change the message. They don't soften the message. They don't tweak the message. Ambassadors pass on the message. We have the phrase, don't shoot the messenger. And we say that because it's not my message. Check with headquarters. Check with heaven. Not my message. And our message is good news. It's not bad news. We're threatening you. It's good news. Here's our message. God loves you. When's the last time you told somebody that? That's, our, that's the ambassador's message. God loves you. He loved you so much, he saw you were in a hopeless situation. He sent his son. Can you imagine sending your son to die for somebody who wasn't asking for it, didn't deserve it? God loves you. That's our message. And he wants to help you defect from this world system to heaven by surrendering your life, calling out to Jesus. He loves you, wants to guide you. That is our message. When's the last time you, as an official representative of heaven ambassador, went to school, went to work, went to your neighborhood, went to the marching band, went to the football team, and shared the message of heaven? And Paul, when he's writing about this, he's in jail. So in Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians 6, Paul's in jail now, and he's writing a prison letter, and he's asking for prayer. What would you think you'd ask for prayer if you were actually sitting in jail, and it's unjust, would you think you would ask at some point, like I would, would you please pray that I get out of jail? I would think that'd be a normal prayer request. I would have that in my letter. Please pray that I get out of jail, or at least that my life is easier. Pray my life is easier in this prison. Paul doesn't pray that. He prays for more boldness to be an ambassador to open his mouth. He says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, pray for me not to get out of jail and not for an easier time. Pray for me that utterance may be given to me. Give me a chance to open my mouth as an ambassador that I may open my mouth boldly. Pray for my boldness, Paul says, to make known the mystery of the gospel. It's hidden to them. It's revealed in the Bible. It's a mystery. It's been solved. And gospel means good news. For which, verse 20, I 
am an ambassador sent from heaven in chains. Paul thinks, well, I'm sitting in jail in chains. Apparently, right now, I'm an ambassador to prisoners. That's what must be what God wants because I'm always an ambassador. So if I'm in prison, I'm an ambassador to prisoners and to jailers and to those visiting the jail. Pray for me. I'm an ambassador in chains that in it, in this jail, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Another key, feel like I'm not really super bold about sharing my faith. When people ask, what can I pray for you? Don't ask them for healing and don't ask them for job shift and don't ask for, try at some point turning the world on its head and say, yeah, I need you to pray for me. I really do. I need you to pray for chances to share Jesus and boldness to share Jesus. That's what Paul prayed, sitting in jail. Boldness. Guys, we got Christmas coming. Christmas is coming. This is a time when people who have no connection to God, if you invite them, will say, well, I'll go. Why? It's Christmas! They will come! This next week, you notice I skipped verse 19. I skipped verse 19. That's the topic. I'm going to unpack verse 19 to your friends, your family. There's only one problem. If you don't bring them, I can't share the gospel with them. This is a partnership. That's the deal. And I'm asking you, do not come to Christmas without having somebody far from God with you. Or at least attempting, inviting. We're going to give you uh, guest invite cards on the way out. Little packs. You can buy, get as many as you want, but give them away. Give them away. I'm not going to reference this song again. I promise. I was tempted to do, but I avoided temptation right there. How wonderful is that? There's door hangers. There's door hangers. You can go pick up the Connection Center. Put a little post-it note, right? Hey, would you come? I'm just thinking about you to one of these services. We need people to serve next week. I'm serious. We've got these services at both of our campuses. They gave, like, there's a handout. We need people to step up to serve one of those services. Visit gracechurch.com slash live. You can go there. You can type in online, sign up to serve. But this is the time. I will share the gospel. We have a whole service built around reconciliation. That's what Christmas is about. There's only one thing missing. Your friends. And your family, and your neighbors, and your classmates who are far from God. That's what's missing. And you can solve that by inviting them. Guys, wouldn't it be amazing? Look back at 2017. Who did you lead to Christ this year in 2017? Wouldn't it be amazing that if we all just put like 1, 1, 1, 1, 11 p.m., God, please, whatever, bink, 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 all over the city. There's this alarm going off with a little note. Pray that everybody, one person led to Christ, and they helped them follow Jesus. It would change every sphere of influence we're in. Everyone. It'd be amazing. I did it. I was crazy enough to do it years ago. We're doing it again. Join us in that. It's be amazing. Let's pray. God, I just pray right now. Help us to be able to just seek you, love you, surrender to you. May we have this mindset that we are citizens of a foreign land of heaven. May we have this mindset we are sent here on short temporary assignment. May we do the two things that ambassadors do. Live out the obedience to the faith as living representations where they look at us and say, man, those people are all about the sauna. In the areas of reconciliation, respect, generosity, may we open our mouth boldly like ambassadors, passing on the message to people willing to defect from this world system that is abusing them, hates them, controls them. And yet there's a God who loves them. That's our message. Set people free, Lord, we ask. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 
If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.